Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In. I'm your host, Kayla St. Ange, and joining me from a digital distance is my friend, my newly birthdayed 30-year-old good co-host, Tyler Hannon. Uh, Hello, that is me. That was definitely an intro that I planned and not thought off the top of my head. It was great. (laughs) I thought it was beautiful. Well done. Um, Tyler's birthday was five days ago uh, on today, the day that we're recording. So that is not a helpful timestamp, but his birthday happened and he is 30 and everybody should wish him a happy birthday. Uh, Yeah, I'll take belated birthday wishes. Why not? Love it. Just going to stump for you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm like so far, I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm handling turning 30 much better than, yeah, I don't know, let's say a, a male one step higher than me in the family tree in that I'm acknowledging that I'm 30. which is, you know, a big step compared to that unnamed person. You know, as the great Jennifer Garner once said in the movie 13 Going on 30, 30 is really about being 30, flirty, and thriving. And I think that once this whole coronavirus thing is over, you will be. So (laughs) uh, on that note, (laughs) this is uh, the first in our new split feed format of episodes. So as you heard on our last episode, our quote unquote main feed, and I say that because they're all going to be in the main feed because whatever, um, feeds are fake. (laughs) We will be doing Criterion Channel content and to kind of keep those a little bit cleaner and more focused, we've decided to split our recently watched section into its own episode. So what that means is you get two episodes per month, which rules for you and rules for us. And so episode one will be us just kind of casually chatting and talking about movies that we've watched recently, similar to the format you all have come to know and love. And after that, you'll get another episode that's very serious and artistic about the Criterion channel. Absolutely. Whereas this one, we're just going to be uh, silly and off the wall and, uh, and just say things that uh, are completely off the record. Obviously. Yeah, as you know, we're always very serious and always have a very strict uh, stick to the episode plan. And we always do a good job at that and never fail. So nothing will change for you at all, actually, because of that. Well, the nice thing about this is that a deep dive, obviously, like spoiler spoilers away full episodes and then these will be like a little more fun less spoilery we'll cover more things if you don't have criterion channel or you very much only want to listen to people talk about things that either you've seen or that will not be spoiled best of both worlds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i just want to circle back to something you said there did you say quote maybe not fun this will be only fun <laughs> Well, I think I said I think I said like one will be more fun than the other, and I'm like, oh, like you know, why sell ourselves short? (laughs) I am perfectly capable of making a Luis Buñuel film sound exciting and fun. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway. So, so Kayla, which of us wants to go first? Uh, I think. Well, like I mean, as a slight spoiler, we're going to talk some movies, but then at the end, we're just going to go in on Animal Crossing. Yeah, you know, the national pastime. Yeah, the national pastime. It's perfect. Um, as, as the birthday boy, how about you go first? Oh, excellent. Well, I'll start with the movie I watched on my birthday. And that is the 2013 Park Chan-wook English language debut, Stoker. I have stumped for this movie ever since I first saw it. But it had been a couple years since I saw it. I kind of wanted to revisit and be like, you know, just uh, like one, I love this movie, but I haven't watched it in a while. Why not fix that? Two... 
just sometimes you want to double check and be like, all right, you know, like when I was uh, 2013, man, 2013, holy cow. So when I was like 23, I was still pretty dumb, uh, you know, and still having a lot of opinions that I probably would regret now. I just wanted to make sure and uh, it all checks out. Uh, still so, so good. Um, so Stoker, our channel's English language debut, uh, written by a, uh, <laughs> written by Prison Break star Wentworth Miller. God, I always um, forget that. Yeah, I uh, written under a pseudonym so the work would stand on its own. And after like doing some, you know, a little bit of research, it was actually on the 2010 blacklist, which you know doesn't always mean anything, but it's a fun trivia fact, you know. Uh, so besides, you know, Park Chan Wook at the top, it was the movie was also shot by. Oh, I did not look up the pronunciation. Zhang Zhang Hoon, who also uh, did cinematography for It, The Handmaiden old boy like several other park chan wook films it looks great and for the upcoming edgar wright anya taylor joy horror movie last night in soho um and the soundtrack i think this was the first time maybe i heard a clinton manzel soundtrack or the first time like i really went in on it and he's just so good uh which is just to say like a lot of incredible craftsman on this movie uh which is before even mentioning that it stars like see i know i know mia vazakowska vazakowska for like creepy as like you know being creepy and weird because i love her in this movie uh but this movie is about uh, it stars mia we're just gonna call her mia you know mia vasakowska is how you pronounce that vasakowska. okay yeah. i feel like i was close you were then, pretty close but i just okay. wanted to solidify it in your head so you thank wouldn't you. feel awkward saying for, it thank you for being the, the smart one uh she plays india stoker uh and the the movie is about uh, her father dies and her mysterious uncle who she's never met charlie played by a wonderfully creepy matthew good uh shows up and her mother uh, played by Nicole Kidman, uh, is kind of budding up oh, like very quickly to the uncle, and he basically weirdness ensues. Uh, he's weird, he's mysterious, we don't know what's up with him. India is growing distant from her mother, and this only like further widens the gap between them. And then from there, I mean, it's it's Park Chan Wook, so it it is creepy, it is like sexual, it is uh, just like it it is beautiful, but also twisted as they say uh yeah it's like this psychological thriller that go like is not afraid to go places because jan look and i just it is it is so beautiful it has some of the most just even just on like a base level like just incredible looking shots scene transitions to die for like i forget i forgot about one specific scene transition that just drove me nuts Back when I was making gifts, I made a bunch of gifts from this movie just because it's very, like it's it's very give giveable. It's very like one perfect shotable, but it like it just like it fills the whole movie. Uh, the way music, there's this piano score uh, that is like diegetic in some parts of the movie that is just just enrapturing and stunning. And yeah, it's just this uh, this this twisted tale, this twisted psychosexual tale about this family on their little secluded house alden ehrenreich shows up for for a couple minutes jackie weaver shows up with that like uh and i don't want to get into what happens because like i do granted i looked at my letterbox and i think i curated my letterbox followers list based on people's rankings of stoker (laughs) as i look at this (laughs) because fortunately i've seen just a lot of four to fives which is the correct ranking like 
for minimum. But I feel like, I don't know, I just felt like at the time, this just kind of went under the radar. Um, not even just from didn't get nominated from a foreign language Oscar perspective. Um, and then obviously, like, I don't know, you think Park Chan-wook, uh, you think The Handmaiden, you think of the Vengeance trilogy, and this movie just fucking rules. And I can't, and it's, it's, it's just so good. And I will just never shut up about it, obviously. The worst thing about me is that I've never seen this movie, even though it seems like it was engineered in a lab specifically to appeal to me. And I like Park Chan-wook. It's just one of those movies, and we talk about this a lot, where I'm always waiting to be like in the right mood to watch it. And I think the truth, it, like you just have to, just bite the bullet and watch it because waiting for the perfect like atmosphere and time is usually just a road to four years later you haven't seen the movie and you're sad you haven't seen it i mean taylor <laughs> i have like a an a, like a perfect uh comparison i only just watched the handmaiden for the first time a couple months ago i know we watched it together it was really yeah. fun <laughs> it's like also park chan wook and yeah but yeah, it's really good. And it also, like, I mean, part of the reason I watched it, besides all the reasons that was stated, is there are not, like, a ton of birthday horror movies. And this didn't appear on any list, but I just, this movie sticks in my mind. It starts on her birthday. And so that is part of why it came to mind is, ah, birthday horror movie in a way. An amazing double feature with Happy Death Day, which is definitely the same genre. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> You'll Two love favorites. To see it. Any questions? <laughs> Uh, no, that was a lovely uh, review and a lovely encouragement to me to finally just watch the damn thing, even though I have two movies that I actually have to watch this week for our podcast. But, you know, free time abounds at this right now. So yeah. going to have to do it. Well, Kayla, that was uh, my soliloquy. What is, what, what, will you, what is your first movie that you'd like to discuss? Um, well, I guess uh, if you started with the movie that you watched on your birthday, I'll start with the movie that I watched on your birthday, which had nothing to do with your birthday and more to do with the fact that I had one mimosa and got really emotional about feminism and decided to watch Mad Max Fury Road. Also inspired in part, uh, as usual, by our fave Blank Check Boys starting their George Miller series. And... Just, I I hadn't seen Fury Road since we saw it in theaters together. And boy, does that movie just hold up. It's like a gift that keeps on giving. It's some movie. Should have won Best Picture. This <laughs> is my, my main review of Mad Max Fury Road. But um, if somehow you live under a rock and have never seen it, it stars Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron and is about... Charlize Theron's Imperator Furiosa's attempt to break the tyrannical Immortan Joe's wives out of slavery and take them to her homeland known as the Green Place. And that's a really like, to me, like a really good summary of a movie that is basically just like two really long car chases and beautiful stunt choreography and explosions and flaming guitar players and... I just, I don't know. I, I Everything that has ever been said about this movie has probably already, or everything that could be said about this movie has probably already been said. But when I was watching it, I was struck again by how topical it feels and how over the past couple of years, we still have not really found a way to, I don't know, talk about women or have women's stories accurately portrayed in a lot of big budget films. 
And to see something like this that's made by a guy whose career thesis is kind of just like how bleak and how crazy could the world get and to have him acknowledge that, you know, the bleakest thing that happens in our world and in our past and will continue to happen in our future is the subjugation and mistreatment of women. And to fool a bunch of like Mel Gibson-y bros into watching a movie about that stark reality is like the greatest sleight of hand ever. And then for that movie to deliver in spades on just like 45 minute stretches where you feel like you can't breathe because so much is going on and so many things are happening and popping off everywhere on the screen and just such incredible performances from, I mean, Shirley Theron obviously carries that whole movie on her shoulders, which would be a really easy thing to mess up and would be a really hard sell for a lot of other actresses, but she dives right into it and Nicholas Holt on his ever continuing quest to be completely unrecognizable in every single movie that he's in shines here as well as the war boy Nux. I don't know. I just, when I think about this movie and I think about how much work went into every single shot of it, every aspect, every color cell, every sound, every explosion, and all of the stunt people who worked so hard to, you know, make this a reality practically, you know, not rely as much on CGI to like make those set pieces happen. It just feels like that's like the blockbuster film world that I want to live in and that I wish that we were encouraging a little bit more. And uh, I, Ben and I rewatched Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame yesterday, and it's hard not to – like, even though I like both of those movies, it's hard not to focus on, like, all of the things that we are missing out on by letting that dominate cinema for the past decade – and like how and thinking about how many other Fury Road style movies we could be having. I feel like John Wick is maybe the closest that we get to that kind of like original built up world concept. I don't know. I just it's it's a perfect movie. I can't say anything against it. I find it to be like the most exhilarating ride and such a poignant and interesting look at how we can devolve as a society and then perhaps rebuild as a society. I mean, I don't have much to add. It's, <laughs> it is like, I, I've seen it a couple times. It's absolutely incredible. Everything you say stands up. And as if we didn't love this movie enough, uh, uh, George Miller is just throwing a pitch just right down the like, middle of the plate for us in the reporting of him talking to Anya Taylor-Joy about doing a Furiosa prequel. Like, yes. <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, just another case of just a lot of incredible craftsmen just doing their craft, except this one feels like a miracle that it worked. Yeah, agree. Uh, Tyler, what other movie have you watched recently? So I'm, I'm going to pick a movie I watched it yesterday. Um, and so the, the backstory to this is I discovered, uh, cause I, I use your, I make use of your, uh, Amazon prime streaming mm-hmm. Amazon video account. Cause you have an HBO subscription. Oh, yeah. And I discovered yesterday that you also have a star subscription. Yeah. We need it for outlander. Outlander. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I was looking through that and, um, I saw that they have the psycho sequels on there 
And I've been interested in the Psycho sequels for the last, I don't know, like a couple years now, because um, I'm so like, Psycho, the Psycho movies star Anthony Perkins, um, and obviously Psycho, kind of classic. But uh, I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Perkins, the work of Anthony Perkins' son, Oz Perkins, his directorial work. And so, like, I've listened to some interviews and stuff, and which led to some act, like t- discussion of the Psycho sequels, including that Anthony Perkins directed the third one, and like people actually enjoying them and most of this was in a fog in my mind i couldn't remember i knew that anthony perkins directed the third one but i can't remember like which one i remember people saying they liked so i just kind of dove into it and so psycho 2 bring it takes place and it was uh takes place and was filmed 22 years after the like the original psycho and so you can just imagine what people like imagine the internet uh back in 1982 what would they say about a sequel to psycho being made they like, people would be weeping and rending their clothes but psycho 2 rules i guess like it, it brings like brings back anthony perkins as um Norman as Norman Bates he has been he's been in a mental institution for the last 22 years and the movie opens with him being released uh because they, like he's deemed sane now and Vera Miles plays Lila Loomis who I believe is the sister Janet Janet Lee Thank you. Okay. Um, I, I believe Lila Loomis plays the sister of Janet Lee's character because uh, as Norman is being released, she's in the courtroom shouting, very upset. Basically, Norman Bates go, returns home. He's back in the world. He gets a job, like he's, someone set up a job for him at a lo- local diner where he meets this young girl who he helps out by giving a room because he has this big old, old empty house at a motel. He has rooms available. This movie feigns being a like a a base slash like a base sequel where you know norman bates goes nuts again oh no and it uh, reveals in another kind of like mid-movie twist that it is more than that it is this whodunit revolving around norman and is he going crazy again or is someone trying to drive him crazy again uh meg tilly stars as the young woman he meets in in the uh in the cafe uh you also have robert loja as his uh i think his doctor and kind of like his not caretaker but someone kind of watching out for him it just becomes this really fun whodunit i think i almost dislike the horror elements the most because they are just like the the movie feels like kind of a like an earnest uh tragic tale in a way of this this broken man like decades later just trying to be a better person again and the world kind of not letting him which can get in like you know gets into all kinds of ideas about like rehabilitation and and uh and it's like this whodunit that makes you really care for this uh yeah this broken murderer uh, <laughs> and, but then in the moments of violence because it is a whodunit there is a slasher element there is people are getting knifed i don't they're, they're just like so grisly in a way that i am not often like maybe tone it down to movies but in this case it felt a little bit like i read that this movie was originally intended as like a cable movie and that's where it feels like that there's like some gratuitous nudity there is some like really gratuitous violence and that almost 
feels like a way to draw people in. I know like, you know, it's not like Psycho was exactly restrained in that sense, but I, I, I felt there was a little bit of a mismatch, but it, I don't, the, it's just got this great cast. Um, the movie was written by Tom Holland of Child's Play and Fright Night. The guy who shot, like Dean Kundi of like Jurassic Park and Back to the Future shot it. Jerry Goldsmith did the score. It's another case where just, they really, for like what could have been a cable movie, like they really, uh, and it was directed by Richard Franklin, obviously not Hitchcock. It's this interesting case of a sequel that really actually tries to make a good movie. Um, and like they were able, like Anthony Perkins wasn't sure about coming back and he liked the script. And I, I think the things I like most about it are the script. And it, it feels like a really earnest attempt to make a good movie as a sequel, not just trying to redo Psycho or just trying to cash in, even though I feel it kind of does in some areas like the way where it goes really pulpy but it's yeah it's it's really good i'm looking forward to watching psycho 3 uh psycho 2 another movie that just feels very forgotten like why would anybody even think about any of the other psychos uh, like gus van sant's psychos kind of a joke to people i that's not i have not seen it i do not have any you know opinion on that myself <laughs> uh, you know i watched i did, i watched more than just horror movies in the past couple of weeks since we last <laughs> recorded like i what? watched no <laughs> i watched like chinatown because i thought like that was available for free on stars and i want to watch that movie only for free um and you know some other movies but i just obviously i have a fondness for horror those are the uh the deep t- dives i tend to go down and i like i like the underdog movie the movie that's like kind of forgotten or i feel like does not get its due kind of a sucker for that in both these cases. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I feel like I should point out that I also have watched a strange combo of movies and that the same day that I watched Mad Max Fury Road, I also watched My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> very I on mean, brand. That just feature. seems like very wholesome all around, I gotta say. Good. Real good. Just love to cry wholesomely at that little that little guy. Yeah, what else? Yeah, because I... It, I, I took a break from my um my never watch shelf once I got like I got through I, I was sick and I just ended up taking a break from it but like I like I watched Love and Mercy uh, I watched Chinatown I watched okay a bunch of horror movies Boyhood uh, but yeah that's, this, is the, this is the one that these are two movies that stuck out to me the most dope love so, it so Kayla what is what is your next movie. Uh, well, I also like to watch horror movies as that will come to a huge, which will be a huge surprise to anybody listening to this podcast. Uh, Ben and I decided a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, I think at this point that we were feeling in a spooky mood. And so we were looking at some of the classics on shutter and decided to finally take up Tyler's continual flag for the movie, the fog. Yeah. Which you just bought some merch from, I think. I'm like, I'm still waffling. I'm gonna get something. I haven't decided what yet. Uh, multiple companies came out with fog stuff, and I'm just like spoiled for choice. You should probably get all of it. Um, so the first thing that I want to say about the film The Fog is that I am in love with Adrian Barbo. She can have, she can hang out with me anytime. I'm free at literally any time that she would like to hang out. So <laughs> she is great. Uh, this is one of those movies that I have known about for a really long time and deep in the recess of my memory i think i saw the mid-2000s remake of the fog like in high school at a sleepover i'm pretty sure it's bad 
I think that's the general consensus, but uh, had never seen this. And it's one of those movies that like Tyler has talked about loving for a really long time. And I don't know why I just kind of put off watching it just because I am not always the best completionist when it comes to directors that I like. But yeah, this was the epitome of just like a fun Halloween romp, like not too scary, not too hard to think about. Everything makes sense. Nothing is too over the top, in my opinion. Everything is like the perfect level of I want to be in the mood to feel like it could be Halloween tomorrow, and this movie will put me in that zone. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's really fun. I think I, I used to say it was underrated. I don't know that it's underrated now. I think it's kind of hard to underrate Carpenter at this point. Um, kind of, especially since the whole thing is like he was underrated at the time, especially for the thing. It, it is just uh, like, this movie. I, I love. I can watch it with any degree of attention, kind of, which like I mean in the best possible sense. I, I love to sit there and just take it in. But it is also kind of a great movie to have on, just kind of in the background, maybe while you're playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just it, it's just got a real mood and a vibe, and it's like when you lo- like to just like. Uh, soak in some creepiness especially you know carpenter movies they have that score too that is just like kind of synonymous with uh spooky times it's it's good like i told you it's like it is a good movie if so this sounds pejorative but like it's like a gulag the gulag in a way where it's like i like to just have this on and i'll just listen to this and i'll feel good yeah i think i mean that's to me this is definitely on my list of like for sure add to the halloween watch list which it's not like i guess it's maybe not difficult to get on that list but there are very few movies that i feel like watching like more than once in a year but when i do want to watch that movie more than once in a year it ends up being like the year that green room came out and i saw it like six times in six months like i watched it once a month for half a year so (laughs) it's just one of those movies it feels like good like Rosetta Stone comfort food for horror fans, I guess, if that <laughs> makes any sense. It's kind of word salad. But well, also the timing is perfect because it takes place on April 21st, which is great because one, my birthday is April 12th. You just mix up those two letters and it's basically my birthday movie. <laughs> I also watch this on my birthday. It'll, it also functions as like a halfway to Halloween movie. So you got a Halloween and you can watch it on the halfway to Halloween mark and it's just a biannual tradition. Not a bad idea. That goes, so let's see, we're up to like series that LTRFI has endorsed is like obviously Halloween, like Halloween the season and then summer horror. We have a whole episode on that. So maybe we need to get our shit together and come up with like a good halfway to Halloween list and <laughs> figure out what that genre looks like. And listen, I know like Shudder, like you know, Shudder also just did a halfway to Halloween thing, but as someone whose birthday is in April, I've been on this train, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And we just like to celebrate Halloween in our hearts all year long. So yep. really, we could just make one for like every season of the year. <laughs> like, see how it goes. We it's essentially snowing did. outside right now. There's no rules to nature or time anymore. Yeah, it's April 17th and I know it's Michigan, but it's been snowing for three, four days in a row. And today is like the most, like it is accumulating like Christmas out there. Yeah. It, to, and to clarify, it did not snow on Christmas. It was 47 degrees on Christmas. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, that's just lake effect. In, that's yeah. just lake effect, Kayla. The world that we live in is so good and interesting all the time. Um, but yeah, so that is uh, our movie recently watched section. And um, just for some fun, just because 
everyone on planet earth is participating in this global phenomenon. And because Tyler and I have probably each sunk like a hundred hours into it already, I would love Tyler to discuss with you the topic of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah, so I've re- I've resisted Animal Crossing at first, um, not for not for any like contrarian reason or whatever, but mostly in a hey, I still haven't finished playing most like several other Switch games. Uh, like I just I don't I've not I've never played Animal Crossing before. It's sixty dollars. I'm just not sure. And then like two weeks in, I finally gave in. The peer pressure, like it it wasn't even active peer pressure for the most part. It was just literally everyone's playing it. I'm like fine fine it seems nice you know what it's nice it's really nice um well and the beauty of animal crossing too is that you there's no finishing it so you could in theory put it down for six months and go back to all of your other games and finish them and come back and it would be fine oh like i can't i cannot wait for like they they have this whole easter event which like i'm not that color scheme like not totally in for but like as soon as we get to like autumn and Halloween, I'm like, regardless of how long it's been since I played it or how much I had been playing it, like, I'm all in it. Can I tell you my number one fear right now? What is, is that number one fear? Everybody's complaining about Bunny Day being a 12-day-long, super annoying event will prevent me from getting what I want, which is a 12-day, super annoying Halloween event. <laughs> because I was, like, even though I was done with those fucking eggs by the time it was over and even though yes i did want to murder zipper the bunny i was willing to sit through the 12-day easter event because that means that maybe in the future i will get a 12-day halloween event and it will all have been worth it and if everybody's complaining made it so that they're like halloween is one day only i will be furious well, especially since I think it's just a timing issue. It's just that the it was so early in the life cycle of the game that people are still trying to be like get past certain early hurdles in the game when you need to like maximize your daily resources to like hit certain goals. Mm-hmm. And like in that sense, I think it was just poorly timed. Like if it happened now, I think it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Well, and I think so part of the issue too is that normally you don't hit all of these milestones, I think within two weeks of the game coming out, because again, it is a game that's meant to be played for years, but nobody, least of all like game developers at Nintendo could have anticipated that everybody on planet earth would be stuck at home (laughs) indefinitely until who knows when, meaning that literally the only thing I have to do in my free time is play animal crossing because it makes me feel like I can go outside and talk to friends and do things. Like I'm thinking about hosting like a party on my animal crossing Island as soon as I think that it's cute enough because I can't host a party with my friends in real life. Like just trying to, you know, get that sweet, sweet interaction and outdoor time. Although I did for the first week jokingly wear a face mask like in Animal Crossing every time I got on a plane to go to a mystery island <laughs> because I am extra. Oh, that's, that's, that's hilarious. It was good. It was pretty cute actually. But yeah, Animal Crossing is really nice. And I had also never played an Animal Crossing game before this, but I knew in my heart that it was a game that was designed for me and that no part of it is like hard <laughs> and like there are no enemies except for like a wasp that you can easily learn to catch and stuff like like it's just like exactly the kind of thing that I like which is wholesome cute has like achievable but not unrealistic goals and lots of like personal decor options and touches like you can I don't know you can customize your island how you want you can you know to a degree customize your uh neighbors to how you want it's just I don't know it just it's 
made for me and I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's akin to Yonder in many ways, which is another game you got me into like, I don't know, months ago. Yes. But Yonder's big on like the animals and this like, I mean, the animals are people or like, you know, uh, yeah, no, I, and right now I'm just like, I need, I need more stuff. Like none of this stuff is quite right for what I want to do with my island. So I'm just like building bridges and inclines trying to find stuff. Have you, have you had any villagers try to leave yet? Um, yeah, so I had a villager that I started out with that I didn't really like, and I just kind of ignored her for a couple of days, and uh, and she left. However, now I have this dumb fucking panda villager that I hate, who is always in my way, always where I'm trying to do things, and she's just like super annoying, and I don't like her personality at all, and I swear to God, I bully her every day, and she still has not asked me if she should leave, and it's driving me insane. I hit her with a net so much. She called me a grody fish fossil this morning, and I'm just like, then leave, Pinky. No one wants you here. <laughs> like, I had uh, my first villager leave today, and like, I was kind of like, it was one of my original ones too, and I was just like, I was kind of like, you know, hit or miss. It was like a jock rhino I'm like oh, that's fine and it was like i want to go elsewhere I'm like, all right go ahead because i uh, also read that like your early villagers never get cool houses and i'm shallow and care about that I'm like oh, uh, ben God, said houses ben said if you move the houses that they get their cool upgraded house but i have to double check to make sure that that's true before i spend like sixty thousand bells to do that right well, um, and also like i'll move well i kind of want to move it anyways because like it's you know when i was first started like i'm picking the places for the houses i'm like i'm gonna hate these locations i'm just gonna i just know it i'm going to when the time comes i picked the island set up and i put my house on an island so mm. you, like i which i don't know i just thought it'd be fun I actually, I love the design of my island. I've really only like terraformed a couple of things since I got that feature, but I did a really good job, not to brag or anything, but like placing all of my houses. The only thing I've moved is my museum because I initially put it like right next to the beach and it was just like, it, after a while, it was just like in the way and like not a good place for it. So I moved it and I built a park in its place. Yeah. So I have, I have like a little park area. Like it's like a... Yeah, like a park area. I have like a campfire area. I bought like the the windmills and solar panels and put them up in a pla in one area. I have like a re I have like two residential areas kind of at the front. Nice. Um, and I'm just just figuring out where I want stuff to go. I just really love it. I just love building a community and strengthening the ties. <laughs> my, see, my the interior of my house is not that great yet just because I don't have any, like I'm having a hard time getting like wallpapers or floorings that I really like. And until I have those down, I kind of feel like the other, the rest of the interior is kind of temporary. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I'm playing around with it a bit, but I'm trying to find, trying to find more floors. <laughs> I'm pretty satisfied with my house right now. Um, there's definitely some things that I'll probably change like in my living room and whatnot, but it did take me a long time and a lot of swapping on like floors and wallpapers to be happy with like the look of the house. My main issue right now is that like counters are impossible to find or craft and I need some kitchen counters. I'm using like a DIY stall and a, like a teacher's desk as counter space right now and yeah. it works, but it's stupid <laughs> and it's ruining my vision for my dream home and I don't like it. Yeah. I haven't thought of that. Like there are plenty of tables. Like I'm using a lot of like low tables right now uh, to play stuff and I don't And now I, I just got my third room and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with it? Like I'm going to give it a theme. I don't know. Um, I have a cherry blossom themed bathroom. It's very cool. 
I, I do. I use one of the. I I I I kept very little Easter stuff. I sold most of it, um, but I did keep the cherry blossom walls because those are pretty cool. Yeah, I kept all the cherry blossom stuff, and I kept like two things from Easter because <laughs> fuck that. I'm not a pastel person. No, no, goth at heart. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's a review of Animal Crossing New Horizons on your film podcast. I hope that you are, if you are playing it, that you're having a similarly good time. And if you're not, like maybe consider it. It's uh, It's been a real like balm to my spirit over the past couple of weeks <laughs> in yeah. trying not to slide completely into madness. You decorate things and you just like, and you get the good flowers and you just catch peacock butterflies all day. Love all catching day. butterflies. Um, in real life, I would die if a bug came anywhere near me, but in Animal crossing i will run to catch them but yeah so uh later this month you will be able to listen to a much more serious and straightforward episode uh from our newly minted criterion channel collection we will be double featuring the eyes of laura mars and the hunger which are the only well i guess their house is on there now so some of the only horror movies on criterion channel because we're on brand okay that's it wasn't intentional i wasn't looking for horror movies i just stumbled stumbled upon eyes of laura morris and it's like hollywood's take on the italian giallo i'm like tell me more i'm not even a big giallo person but i was like that looks odd, weird plus it has faye dunaway which rules so so tune in at the end of the month for that until then you can get in contact with us at ltrfipod at gmail.com you can give us a shout on twitter at ltrfipod you can follow us on our not often used instagram which is also at ltrfipod and if you are interested in supporting us financially we do have a patreon now Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash ltrfi pod <laughs> and uh yeah i just wanted to as always give another quick shout out to our patrons we appreciate you guys you're the reason we were even able to purchase our criterion channel subscription and you know we're hoping to put that money back into the podcast in other interesting ways in the future yeah and as we get more patrons we'll probably we're, we're, we've been discussing adding like a having an like so we'll actually have a main feed doing a patreon feed for like you know fun themed episodes we'll see there's a lot of a lot of interesting ideas and new things around the corner so yeah i don't know stay well during this uh ridiculous and crazy time uh we're thinking about you guys all the time so that's really all that i have tyler do you have anything else man i don't have any any joke things no no i don't remember that animal crossing is a great game and always will be despite Tom Nook's uh, rampant capitalism. Although, like, I have seen some good defenses of Tom Nook in that, like, he doesn't charge interest, there are no deadlines. I mean, he's clearly, Isabel's a big fan, so, like, maybe he's a good employer. Uh, I don't know. We should probably still just eat the rich just to be safe. We should. Sorry, Tom Nook. (laughs) All landlords must die. A lot of meat on those bones.